This podcast is part of the Zedia Network. That's media with a Z. For more information on the Zedia Network, you can check them out on Twitter, at Zedia Network. Now to the show. Hi-ho, this is Kermit the Frog here. I am the host of the Browns Huddle Podcast. Wait a second, Kermit. I'm actually the host of the Brown Subtle Podcast. What are you doing here anyway? I was invited by my agent to interview Sir Yach. Sir Yach? First of all, his name is Sir Yacht. Second of all, the only one who calls him Sir Yach is Hugh J- Wait a second. Did Hugh put you up to this? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to have to check the tapes. I thought so. If you'll excuse me, I have to do this podcast. So get out of here, frog. Sorry, man. Let's do this. Welcome to the Brown Settle Podcast, part of the Zedia Network. That is media with a Z. I am your humble host, Jason Hand. You have heard his rants. You have read his hot takes on Twitter. He is dominating TikTok with over 6 million views. He is basically becoming a social media giant. That man is Sir Yacht. Welcome to the show, Sir Yacht. Thanks for having me, Jason. Thanks for having me, Kermit, even though you just left the show. I've been looking forward to this one, so let's dive in. I'm excited. (laughs) Let's dive in. Um, first of all, for, you know, just to go back for the listeners that, that don't know, uh, you did a cameo or you got a cameo from, from Hugh Jackson and maybe that intro didn't make sense for some, um, why don't you tell us the backstory on that real quick? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it was over quarantine, so I was like super bored and I've heard that Hugh Jackson had a cameo. I didn't really know how much it cost, but I was like, ah, you know, whatever it is, I'm sure it's not like an incredible amount. So I go on his cameo. And it's 60 bucks. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of a lot of money. But he does donate 100% of it to his uh, Hugh Jackson Foundation, which is, you know, st- to prevent and stop human trafficking. So I was like, all right, I'll have some fun with this. I told him that – I asked him to say that he was better than Freddie Kitchens. And I told him to ask Browns fans to stop drinking bleach. He didn't say the Freddie Kitchens thing, but he did say <laughs> that – he said don't drink the bleach. He's like, don't. Browns fans don't drink the bleach don't just don't do it don't stop drinking bleach it's not good for you so it was uh it was it was pretty funny um I can't believe you said that but yeah it's cool like Cameo is such a weird app I'm on it I've only gotten like five or six requests but it's uh, it's a great app and uh, he he does a he does a good thing with it so wait wait so you're on Cameo yeah I mean I've gotten like I like I said I've gotten maybe six maybe seven request how, how much is your cameo request 10 bucks so it doesn't it's, oh, it's basically money beer money dude yeah with your talent man i mean i would totally you know get a cameo from you to rant somebody is that what it is for you know getting uh, free, you can do it for free now though yeah so that's all good <laughs> you can do it for free yeah it's all uh, um i, I want to just start out by saying um you know i want to give you a compliment uh from the outside looking in, you look like an extremely busy guy, you know, and, and for you to take this time to, to sit on my podcast and, and just sit and talk to dudes talking for a little while, it shows me that uh, number one, you care. But then the other thing it shows me is that you're extremely organized and you know how to, um, to, you know, adjust your time to fit everybody's schedule. So I, I, I want to start by just saying that. 
No, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, I, I have to keep myself busy. Otherwise, I'll go insane. I'll think too much. I have a little bit of anxiety and stuff. And I'll just start overthinking everything. So my girlfriend's in medical school in Louisiana, and uh, I haven't seen her in a couple months. So if I'm not busy, then I'm thinking about <laughs> missing her and stuff like that. So this, I have no problem doing that. I appreciate it. I love being on podcasts. I love getting interviewed. I think it's the coolest thing ever. So until I'm really busy and I can't even sleep, then I'm going to keep doing these for a while. Absolutely. Do, do you have a planner or calendar that just, you know, uh, keeps your schedule and everything so you don't yeah, double book I, yourself? I, I, I just use my iPhone calendar and then I put them in my, in my notes as well. So I got them in a couple spots so I can reference some. But yeah, I stay pretty organized. Um, my brain runs at like 100 miles an hour. And if I don't have reminders, if I don't have calendars, you know, I've I have a good amount of ADHD. I will forget. So that's why I always tell people, Hey, can you send me like an email calendar invite? And they're like, why? We just talked about it right now. I'm like, I know, but I will forget tomorrow if it is not in my calendar. So if you could send me that, that'd be great. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I started putting my calendar on Apple calendar and yeah, uh, dude, I would wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and think, man, am I forgetting something? What do I have today? And it was getting stressful, especially starting this podcast. You know, right. my worst fear is that somebody will be waiting on a Zoom meeting and I just forget about it. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, it definitely keeps your life easy. What I really like about those stuff too is like when you you can download like the Brown schedule, Indian schedule, Cav schedule, and then just go on your calendar and run until you don't want it to run for how many seasons you want. And it just keeps everything organized. That's uh as chaotic as I am on social media in the back end, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty organized. So. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, um, I want to start talking about something that I didn't actually know until today. Um, I re I've, I've been seeing you on Twitter for a while, but, uh, one of the things that I saw is that you're on Spotify. You're a singer. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just had a meeting, uh, last night, uh, with a, uh, independent label out in New Jersey. I was there a couple of weeks ago um, and we're going to do, we're going to probably release a single uh, under them sometime in the fall. I haven't really told anybody that. So this is, this is a uh, Browns huddle exclusive. What? But, uh, Breaking news. Yeah. So we're excited about that. We've been doing this for a while. I've been, I've been in this group called Maui Ski Club for four years with two of my best friends and uh, my twin brother. Um, so fortunate to do that. But, but yeah, so I, I love making music. That's why Suryat, the name is Suryat for my music. And then I started making content after the Browns went 0-16 um, as a way to – well, and I saw, like, it was generating publicity, like my first video, ever video, like, like ranting about Hugh Jackson. So I was like, okay, maybe I can keep making content to generate people to watch my music. And now I think it's, like, hand-in-hand hand where I want to do both. Now I want to do something in content and I want to make music as well. So it's, it's been pretty cool. I've been very blessed. So, so your first love was music. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's like one A and one B right now. Um, but it was like, I just never knew, like I never put videos out. I never thought I'd be like, people would enjoy anything I did. My friend uh, Tom Ramella had to convince me a bunch of times to do it on new year's Eve, you know, when the Browns lost to the third string Steelers. Uh, so I just kind of let it all out. Uh, and then sports center Snapchat picked it up and, uh, Chris McNeil retweeted, so that really helped, and it just kind of vibe with some people. And that then, always helps. Yeah, and then that was the season, like that was the year LeBron was his last year in Cleveland. So I did a bunch of Cavs stuff, and that it just I, I was very fortunate with the timing of everything. And uh, you know, what's great about Brown's Twitter is that 
um, you know, like the rants and things like that people kind of resonate with because they're frustrated. And I think sometimes they see my stuff is like super relatable. Um, I understand. I definitely pissed the shit out of a lot of people because uh, I can be in your face. I can be annoying. And if you don't like like your, that in your face, like loud style, then you're not, you're probably not going to like my, my rants or anything like that. I get it. But especially if you're not a Steelers, if you're a Steelers fan, you're not going to like it. But I've been very fortunate with the timing of everything. If it wasn't for the Browns going on 16, I probably wouldn't have the social media following I have today. So. Yeah, I'm. Um, we talked before the before the show a little bit, and I, I mentioned to you I'm an outside sales guy. So um, I listen to podcasts a lot throughout the day, and um, it could be kind of wearing on your mind a little bit. And today, I popped in your Spotify music and just kind of played it. And dude, it got me in a good mood, man. You got some good music on there. You really I do. appreciate it. Yeah, so I got my solo stuff under Suriat, and then. Um, I have a band called Maui Ski Club and we just put out like 12 songs in April or something like that that we've had online for a while been on Spotify so we're, once we release this single on this label it's either going to be under Maui Ski Club or we're just going to make it Sir Yacht and Maui Ski Club um, but yeah I, I love doing it it's a great way to get out um, you know like frustrations or whatever which is very healthy it's same with like my ranting like people are like dude you must be so angry in real life no, because I get all my anger, like it's all channeled on like my, my social media and like videos and stuff. And then I'm like, I'm kind of chill. Like for the most part after that, I, I really don't get angry too often, except when things happen, I have to make videos about them. So, yeah. I, yeah. The first time I saw your rant, I think it was last year or possibly the year before last. I don't remember, but I remember it was, uh, it was dark here on the East Coast, and I was pissed. We just lost, the Browns just lost. It was a horrible loss. I don't even remember which game it was, but um, I was surfing through Twitter and came across your rant. You're inside of a car. It was dark, and I I played it. And you know, man, after hearing that rant, it made me feel better because a lot of things you were saying, I was feeling, and I'm sure a lot of Browns Browns fans were feeling. So yeah, no, I, pr I appreciate that. And I think a lot of people do that. I mean, that's, that's what I hear a lot. And it makes me feel really good um, that that content I make uh, can be relatable to other people. Um, I mean, I, I originally when I made that video, there was a kid from uh, like St. Anne's High School. And, and my video did really well. And like this kid from high school got like 15 likes on a post quoting it. And he was basically just like, this dude's so annoying. He sucks. I like let that affect me so much, but I've, I've stopped really, uh, I stopped really caring about what people thought, you know, I mean, I get so much, uh, there's a lot of negativity if you read my posts, you read my quote tweets or things like that. And I kind of just laugh. I mean, if you waste your time hating on my videos or anything like that, then, you know, for me, I see it as a, as a win. I see it as a way of getting a little more publicity. So it's, uh, it, it's been fun. Um, I get a lot of positivity. I get a lot of negativity. Um, I just, I appreciate the interaction either way. People, you know, you know those, those people that, those people that bag on you for, for the rants and they say that they're, they don't like it. Those are probably your biggest fans. Those are the ones that return and watch it. Yeah. Keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. There's a, there's a guy out in Las Vegas the other day that, I haven't even interacted with my entire life. I think he's commented on a couple of things, but it's, it's kind of hard for me to keep up with that stuff. And he just like, uh, I blocked Sir Yacht. He's an absolute phony. And I was like, I've never even met you before. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to judge my character based on what I put on social media, like a lot of it's satirical, like, and fine, you do you, man. But I, I don't even know who you are. I've never interacted with you 
my entire life. So I don't really know what you're talking about. But it, it's funny. It's uh, People kind of take social media a little too serious. I like I, I get into it and stuff and like vent some stuff and do some satirical things. But at the end of the day, it's just social media. If you don't like something, you can mute, you can block, you can uh, you can close Amen. your computer off your phone. Like that's yeah. just go enjoy life. Like just don't don't focus too much on like things that you find negative or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, anything that you do in life, anything that you're going for, goals that you have, people are going to hate on you, man. And they're going to try to hold you back, hold you down yeah. and say you're not good enough, but screw it. You know, I, like, I don't get again, too many negative comments because I'm not controversial on Twitter, but, <laughs> but I can imagine. Yeah. Well, and again, like I have this like in your face thing and I'm, I'm a lot of the times I'm like yelling and, and whatever. And a lot of people are like, dude, why are you yelling? Like, stop yelling. I'm like, why you, <laughs> turn the volume down or something like what, what are you talking about? I mean, it's just, it's just kind of my style. And if you don't like it, I, under, I mean, you're a lot of like, and dislike whatever you want. It's that's, that's totally fine with me. I don't take any offense to it. If, if people are, it doesn't matter if people are liking or disliking, if they're viewing and consuming the content, then, you know, that's all, that's all the statistics don't care. They don't care if people like it or dislike it. They just care of how many people are, are consuming it basically. So yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, you're the la one of the last rants I saw, you were actually challenging Logan Paul to a wrestling match. Um, yeah. what, what's the, what's the backstory on that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a backstory behind that. So it starts, it starts last year, last November, uh, Logan Paul is boxing and YouTuber, uh, named KSI last year. And there's, it was very controversial. Um, the, the, final decision KSI won so Jake Paul puts out this video his brother saying that uh you know Logan and him like grew up and they didn't have very much they had to work for like minimum wage and all this other stuff dude like they had their parents were so wealthy they're from Westlake like they were they did very well and he's like he tried he said he always would get in street fights and things like that so I was like man this guy's like acting like he's from like a rough area. He's from one of the nicest suburbs in Cleveland, one of the nicest suburbs in Ohio. <laughs> Made a video about that, basically calling Jake out. And it like blew up. It blew up. And uh, Jake ended up seeing it and direct messaged me and saying, funny video, I should have clarified. He also replied saying like, you don't, you know me, like basically blah, 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 whatever. So it was fine. Like him and I were cool. They're like, God, it was like, there's a lot of publicity on it. Well, anyways, Jake was supposed to fight somebody, but nobody knew who it was. It was, like, in January, February. But by this time, it was, like, November, December. It was, like, December. So, in November, we, I, I, we started shooting, like, this boxing promo for me to box Jake Paul, like, just as a joke. Like, I mean, if he accepted, then I was like, oh, shit, here we go. But I was like, there's no You're way. In, yeah, there's no way he responds. There's literally no way. And I was right. But Logan responded, and he goes – Jake's training with somebody right now, but I'm going to be back home from Christmas because he lives in Los Angeles. He's like, we can spar for a little bit and you can get your 10 seconds of fame while you can. So then a mutual friend sets us up and I'm talking to Logan. I'm talking to this mutual friend and uh, it's like shit's in the fam. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to box this guy. I'm about to die. And uh, he ended up backing out. Uh, most I always tell people it's because he's a chicken. It's a hundred percent because my social media following is nowhere near his. And he did say to me he'd probably he would think like he would people would see him as a bully, which is true. I mean he rocked me. But um yeah, I uh he ended up like just like 
ghosting and things like that. And I kind of try and use it as like content here and there. Cause I have all the screenshots and stuff of him messaging me, whatever. <laughs> so Logan announced, tweeted the other day, a couple days ago, excuse me. He said, um, I'll give an influencer $10,000 if they can beat me in a wrestling match. And Logan was a state championship wrestler at, at Westlake. He was incredible. I mean, he was, he was so good at it. So that's why he's like, I mean, there's all these MMA people and boxers and like actual like wrestlers challenging him, but none of them are really influencers. So he's like kind of roasting those people, which is kind of funny. Um, but I made a video about it because I was like, Hey, you've ducked me before. Like you challenged me and completely ghosted me. I'm, I bet you're afraid to do it right now. So that's kind of the backstory behind it. There's no way he responds, but maybe Jake responds this time. I don't know. You never so, know, man. Are you in shape? How- are you? It's funny how it works. Social media is just nuts. It's crazy how it connects people from all over the world and makes the world really small. So it's been funny. Would you be up for the challenge? I mean, are you ready in shape and all that? Yeah, I mean, so I played basketball in college. I boxed four times a week out of the gym in Westlake. Um, Shout out to title boxing. But, yeah, I I would be in, like, some sort of shape, but – I mean, he was a state, state championship wrestler. I mean, he's, he's a freak. I'd put up a good fight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would have to really psych up for it. And it would be like a David versus Goliath kind of thing. But, I mean, if, if things ever happen, you know, I, I wouldn't be saying this. I'd be hyping it up and be like, dude, I'll kick your ass. Like, that's I mean, imagine how many views you'd get, bro. I mean. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it would be like uh, – it, like dude even if you landed like someone's like if you landed a punch on him you'd be a hero here i'm like well you can't really do that in wrestling but uh maybe wrestling but not wrestling so it would yeah, uh, just like wwf yeah. style or <laughs> yeah there's no way no it, it's yeah. like high school like college okay. state yeah, so but i, I we'll see but I, there's no way it happens because he's uh, i think he's already trying to wrestle some big like influencer who's also who also like makes wrestling videos or something so good for him yeah. i guess um, final question on rants. Do you, do you freestyle or do you ride them out and practice or what, how do you come Great up with question. them? Great question. So it depends. I would say most of the time I have bullet points, um, but I'll always throw some improv in here and there when I think of things, but I'll have bullet points in my notes at points and I'll check them and then I'll make cuts and things like that. But sometimes it's just like, you know, let's just get it out. And, you know, whatever I say, that's just kind of what happens. And I think sometimes when I do those videos, I do it because it's more beneficial to just put in one take and uh, just let the raw emotion come out without having it scripted at all. I mean, I'll I'll still convey my emotion, whether I have bullet points or not, because it's not like I'm reading off a script. It's just a little bullet point here and there. But, yeah, so I would say most of the time it's – it's I've got bullet points, but I'm improv in the entire video. Very good. Um, TikTok. So – I recently found out you're on TikTok as well. And apparently a lot of other people know you're on TikTok because you have 180,000 followers last, last time I checked, 6.8 million views. I mean, dude, that's insane, bro. Yeah, that's just likes. That's not even views. That's 6.2 million likes. So the views, I don't know how much it is, but I'm, I'm getting like 7 million views a week on videos. So it's, it's nuts. And I've been doing this only for five months. I've been putting my rants on there. But I delete all of them. None of them did well. And I was like, well, I'm going to start making videos geared around TikTok. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do? And I saw a lot of things with Ohio and, like, Midwest stuff that were, like, kind of funny and just, like, just the memes that were around Ohio. So I was like, all right, I'll make some uh, make some things about Ohio. And the first video blew up. 
Like it's, it's like my second or first, like most viewed video still. So I've been making Ohio Midwest stuff and kind of branching out. And it's, it's all happened in five months. Like it's, it's nuts. Um, but it's, it's been really cool. And I've, uh, I've got to meet a lot of cool people in the area because they've seen my TikToks and I've just, yeah, I've been really thankful. The support has been overwhelming. I heard that, um, TikTok is like China's version of Facebook. Is that right? Is it? Uh, no, it's not no. right. And that might be because they might be saying that because of, uh, like data, like people using your data and stuff like that. There's no proof on TikTok, Facebook. There is proof that they've been selling data and things like that. No, I mean, so I, is it a is it a China company or no? It is. It is, but okay. it's nowhere. I mean, it, that that there's no comparison to Facebook. They're, okay. They're totally different. Yeah. I got you. Um, I was actually the same guy I was talking to. His son um, started a TikTok, and he didn't even know it. Like this parent didn't even know it and uh, uh, somebody, and one of his friends called him and said uh hey man congratulations on your your son's success he's like what are you talking about he goes dude he's like majorly popular on tiktok he's got a couple million um likes or whatever and and, they, and he didn't the parent didn't even know it the, the kid was making videos in his room like after the parents went to sleep and became a huge success you know kind of like what you're doing on tiktok it's amazing yeah it's it what's what's really great about the app is that you can generate an audience from nothing um, based on their algorithms and they send it out to people in your area. They send it out to people that they think would view your stuff and it's up to them to like it and interact with it, comment, share it. And if that happens, then it gets sent out to even more people. If it doesn't, then it kind of just stays there. But you know, I mean, with, with Twitter, I had a couple of big people like Chris McNeil retweet my first videos and, um, that, that helped me kind of, it kind of snowballed after that. I was, I was really fortunate. Um, but with TikTok, it was completely organic, just on my own, and it's it's all thanks to the algorithm. And, and many people like, you know, that 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 one kid, you know, good for him. Yeah, uh, you can generate an audience from nothing, and that's why I think a lot of people love the app because it gives everybody like an even playing field. That's that's amazing, man. I've got uh, twin daughters that are eleven, and I think I, as a parent, I need to watch what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I mean it's, it's funny. Yeah, like you got 12, 13 year olds on there doing stuff so it's, it's, yeah. it's scary it's scary as a parent I don't, i'm not a parent but as a parent it would be scary hey, let me ask you this have you ever done any stand-up comedy no i get that i get asked that a lot though i feel like my rule for it would be like um like getting a tattoo like they say it's like a six-month rule like i would have to prepare for it and like really go at it for six months before i would go do a show because the stuff that i do like skits and sketches and things like that it's a lot different than being up on a stage and, and making people laugh. Um, you know, I think they're two different angles of, of comedy. And I'm, I'm not, I personally, I don't think I'm too good at the stand up, but I, I, I would want to do it one day, I think, but I would have to do a lot of practice, a lot of prep, and a lot of open mic nights before I go to a comedy, comedy club and do something like that. I mean, those guys are, those guys got balls and they're, they're funnier than heck. So I, I give them a lot of credit. That is not an easy thing to do. Were, were you a class clown like back in school? Oh yeah. Yep. 100%. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah, college too. College less, but I would always like, I, I'm always just like cracking jokes and super lighthearted and, and whatever. I mean, I know when to be serious and things like that, but I'm always, you know, I, I hate seeing people down. I hate seeing, I mean, I, I don't try and interrupt things, but I hate seeing people down. I hate seeing, you know, sadness. And, you know, if I can try and make people happy or smile or something, you know, that makes my day and, and it's, it's like the coolest thing ever. So, um, 
Yeah, but I was I was I was a goofball. I'm all, I'm always gonna be like that. I'm always gonna have the mental age of like ten years old. That's just that's just me. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, I think that people that that don't like your rants or whatever you put on social media, I, they don't understand. It comes from a good place. I can tell that from you. It, you know, yeah. it comes from a good place. You're not trying to hurt anybody or you know you know what I mean. No, and if I'm like, yeah, I agree. And if I'm going like, if I'm you know, lethal as people say, or like, I'm, I'm like really like angry or heated about something. It's either at an organization that like isn't a person. So they're not going to feel any, you know, there's, there's no one to feel like they're getting roasted or whatever you want to call it. Or it's a person that kind of deserves it. And I know has a super thick skin. Um, but I try and make it known. I mean, it, I do so much self-deprecating stuff as a Browns fan rooting for the Browns are rooting for my teams. I'll put some stuff out here and there about other teams, about other players. But, you know, again, if I'm making something about somebody that's, like, you know, not as known or maybe they don't have, they're not a celebrity and don't have the giant following that they do, I'll always reach out to them and let them know that I've made a video about them, like I'm satirical or, or it's all just in good fun. And, and, you know, I try and get that. And only, like, one or two times do people not get it. A lot of people I've become really good friends with on social media because of those rants, which is so funny i never thought that'd be a thing but i think they understand after a while and, and these people have a really good sense of humor so for the most part it works out there's some outliers though but such is yeah, life absolutely um all right so your new podcast the yacht club let's talk about that um your first episode was a couple nights ago live stream it was yep. awesome um you know Thanks. i loved your co-host uh zach. Is zach yeah zach dubs yeah zach Wright. his like tiktok he has like 300k on tiktok he's doing really well uh, he's Zach Dubs. Yeah. It, um, yeah, we were supposed to have Mac Wilson on it. Uh, it didn't really work out cause he had a team meeting that came up that night. So I'm going to interview him this weekend, I think. And then we're going to get him on, we're going to tape it on the next podcast, but, um, yeah, he's, it, it's been fun. It's not going to be any as good as this one, but you know, I, I'm hoping that if, you know, we're close to the, the Browns huddle, then I, I think, I think we're doing a good job. So you guys are I tough. Mean, if to, you if you get close to this podcast, you've made it, buddy. I mean, you're you're just there. You you make it anywhere. Basically, everybody strives to be the Brown Subtle podcast. Now, I, yeah, this is a good one, though. This is a good one. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Um, I, man, do I want to do this next segment? I went back and forth. Screw it, man. Let's do it. Um, before right. we get into some Browns talk, um. I want to do a little impersonations battle with you. I mean, absolute butcher fest. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I, you know, it. everybody loves my Kermit the Frog intro. I know. I'm sure when I play it back, it won't look nothing or sound nothing like him. But um, what we'll do is <laughs> what we'll do is we'll go back and forth with an impersonation match. Um, I'll do the first one, and uh, so on. So before you do your impersonation, just announce who you're doing. That way, we know who it is. So. Um, right. I'm doing Donald Trump and then I might do Hugh Jackson and then whatever you want me to do freestyle, just, just to be warm. We did talk about this, whatever you are freestyling for me to do, it's going to be awful. It's, it's going to be terrible, but I'm yeah. really, I'm really excited to butcher. I think it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. And you know, yeah, let's just do it. All right. My first one, Jack Nicholson. Everybody loves okay. Jack. Yeah. This is Jack Nicholson as a Lakers fan. I would like to thank you Cavs fans for LeBron James. Oh, <laughs> that's not like John Gruden a little bit. I was going to say you sound, I tell you what, man, it sounded a lot like John Gruden, man. 
That was pretty funny. There um, you go. I tell you what, that was a total disaster <laughs> of an impression. Low energy, total loser in the room right now. Unlikable, <laughs> total phony, total schmuck. And probably people are saying probably one of the worst impressions in American history. Uh, you should be thrown Guantanamo Bay. And uh, it was a total failure in a big way. Um, but we are doing so well. Um, and, and, and the Cleveland Browns are doing incredibly well. People are saying that we're doing a great job. And <laughs> it, it, we're going to win bigly. And there's going to be an incredible bigly. amount of <laughs> Oh, that, was, that was Donald Trump, right? <laughs> yeah, that was Donald Trump. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Get to the chopper. Uh, there you go. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Get to the chopper now. Get to the there chopper. There you go, man. Yeah. That was even better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to have to – I'm gonna. this is be Hugh. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to watch a tape on that one. And, you know, everybody kind of understand that, you know. Our guys get it, you know. Look, you look at the locker room, and you know we get it, we know it, and you know we're just excited about the next game. So, you know, I can't really comment on, uh, you know, our sixty-two to zero blowout to third string Steelers tonight. But I'm gonna have to watch the tape on that one before I comment. (laughs) His voice is a little raspy. I mean, I can't. There's, I don't really know anybody that really does a Hugh Jackson impersonation even now, because he's he's not. He's kind of laying low right now, but. Yeah, I don't know. That, it's, that it's, was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready? All right. Ready. Uh, I got to straighten my face here. <laughs> they say it was a million-dollar wound, but the Army must keep that because I ain't seen a nickel of that million dollars. Was that Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump, yeah. <laughs> that it? Yeah, that was good. Was that pretty was good? good. <laughs> well, I knew it was. I knew it was so that – I mean, if I if I didn't, it would, I'd be like, okay, that's probably terrible. But yeah, if you're like, you're like, yeah, start your impersonation now. Then it'd Morgan be bad, Freeman yeah. was that Morgan Freeman? Yeah, that would have been bad if I thought that was Morgan or something. Or, yeah, like, do you know Morgan t- Freeman? Can you can you do that one? No, 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 no. no. Only Morgan no. Freeman can do Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I mean, if you want me to try, if you want me to try something else or, or that or whatever, just tell me. We can do the freestyle now. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. You want me to try Morgan Freeman? No, no. No, <laughs> no pick whatever oh. you want. Pick whatever you want, and I'll try to guess. No, it. you got to tell me. I, I don't have any more, so it doesn't matter. All right, um, Yogi Bear. Um, I, I'm not too familiar. Like the bear, like Yogi Bear or Bear Raw? You, no, the bear. I, I haven't Yogi. seen Yogi I've seen that show in probably 15 years, so I don't even know what he sounds like. John Gruden. I tell you what, man, that guy is a competitor. That's somebody I would want to have on my football team, man. That guy is fierce. You know, that guy is like the extra mustard you put on your sandwich uh, during a football game, man. He's just – he's got the whole package, and, you know, that that's that's just great, man. I tell you what. Hey, man, now that's a good quarterback, man. He can really sling it, man. <laughs> that's my I, – I got nothing. Uh, Dude, Frank Calendo is so good at that. He's better at it than John Gruden. Oh, my yeah. Fa- my, my favorite thing, my favorite story ever is they're, they're like really good friends. So they were hanging out at the game before, right before COVID. And, uh, <laughs> and John the visor. Gruden, what's that? The visor one? 
Yeah, I don't know what it was, but they were like hanging out, and John Gruden just decides to turn on his phone without telling Frank he's gonna film. And he's like, I tell you what, man, this is a great game. And then Frank, like on the spot, just does a Frank I mean, does a John Gruden impersonation, just like breaks character and bursts out laughing like in the middle of it because he had no idea. Like John Gruden loves the impersonation. He just like he like goes with it and he's such a good sport. And that they're like they're like really good friends now because of it, which is so funny. Oh, there, there's a couple people on this planet that I'd love to have a beer with. He's one of them. Yeah. John Gruden yeah. and Frank Caliendo, like both of them. I would, Charles Barkley, too. I would, Charles. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, that guy's crazy. To be particular, <laughs> he doesn't really take the basketball. And, I mean, come on, man. I mean, that guy just doesn't even – that guy's terrible. He's terrible, man. He's terrible. That's fantastic, uh, man. Fantastic. I can do – I can kind of do Shaggy and Scooby. Not very oh. well. But you can tell, like you can tell that it's Shaggy and Scooby, but it's not good. Um, who likes going to school? Oh, let's get out of here. Okay, buddy. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's your best one. Is it actually? Oh, that was perfect. I like doing the Shaggy. Yeah, Scooby isn't too. It's not too bad, but it's uh. <laughs> no, that that one's. I forgot I can do that one. Yeah, there's there's a couple I can do. But, all right, well, Mr. T. Everybody can do Mr. T. I pity the fool. I mean, that's all I know. <laughs> I pity the that's fool, all I sucker. I pity the fool, sucker. Oh, that's tall. Nothing great. Oh, uh, last two. Uh, you got any Rocky? You got any Rocky in you? Like uh, Sylvester Stallone? Yeah. It's not about how hard. No, I can't, man. It's not about how hard you can get hit. It's how hard you. No, it's not hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. And then, yeah, I don't know the rest of that line. That was pretty good, dude. I've never done his – I'm seriously I've never, like, done his voice before. But, right. no, that, yeah, it's – I feel like it's, like – I feel like to do that, your, like, jaw has to stay still. You got to have the lower register. You can't say a whole lot of consonants. It's mostly vowels. Okay, it's not how hard you hit. It, a good hit. It's about hard. You can, I don't know, whatever. But like, yeah, I, I feel like there's not a lot of jaw movement. I think. <laughs> it's like you're All like right. it's like you're on Novocaine. I think that's the impression right there. All right, let me give it a shot. I'll do I'll do Rocky and and his trainer Mick, and then we'll finish this. Okay. Up. <laughs> All right. Hey yo, you knocked them down. Why don't you try knocking me down now? <laughs> Pretty good. It sounded like a combination of Rocky and Forrest Gump. I like it. <laughs> it's like if Forrest Gump was in a, in a in Philadelphia or something. No, I liked it though. That was good. I could tell it was Rocky. That was good. I'm gonna make you crap thunder and eat lightning. That was big. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That was. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was really good. All right, man. Enough with these shenanigans. People are gonna turn me off and probably never listen to me again. <laughs> I need to start working on some impressions now, man. Yeah, I mean they're they're fun to do, man. They're a lot of fun to do. Um, let's let's get into Browns talk, and then we'll finish this up. Um, who was the Browns QB when you started following the team? Uh, Tim Couch, because uh, I was born in '93. I was old enough to realize what was going on in '95. Um, so yeah, I mean I got the Couch jersey when he left. I duct taped the C, so it just said "Ouch." I won a costume contest in fourth grade because of that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's it was it was Tim Couch from the get beginning. Oh man, I 
I love Tim Couch. I, I thought we did him wrong. You know, we just didn't put the pieces around him. And... He had so much talent. We just ruined his career. It's, it's, I felt so bad. He definitely was poised to be great. So, it's unfortunate. I mean, honestly, dude, have you seen pictures of him lately? He looks like he could still play. Like, he looks like he's better than Brady. He looks like wise. he's better than he was in his playing days. Yeah, dude. He's still, I mean, I don't he's know how old he is. He's probably close to – maybe he's over 40 or just over 40. But dude looks like he could play. Yeah. He's he's probably yeah he's probably a little he's probably in his mid forties I would have he's probably a little older than Tom Brady um yeah that's he's nuts dude and it's I feel so bad but you know everything happens for a reason so everything happens for a reason why do you think it's taken us so long to find a QB with real potential I mean dude you know, it's we, been you you talk about Tim Couch it's been over twenty years bro and we haven't found a QB until now you know we have Baker and we'll see on that I'm I'm hopeful that. He's our guy we've been looking for, but why is it taking us so long? Yeah, well, first, I think Baker is the guy. And the reason I think that is he showed incredible promises his rookie year, even having a horrible season last year, he still threw 22 touchdowns. I mean, I know that he had, you know, 21 interceptions, but um, I, I, I think he's the guy. He's got the right pieces in place. And that's the, the, the Browns have been super unique in that, you know, they've been really good at not having good ownership not having good front office, not having good coaches, and then not getting the right players. I mean, it's just – usually people can turn around. Even the Lions, you know, they made some playoff appearances because they had Matt Stafford, they had Calvin Johnson. They made some good decisions. And it, But the thing is, like, with the Browns, they've had good pieces. They've had people succeed in other places. But, I mean, you don't have a good front office to execute and you don't have a good coach that utilizes their skill sets to their, you know, their fullest, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, the Browns had Super Bowl expectations last year and deservedly so they should have made it at least to the AFC championship game, in my opinion. And uh, Freddie Kitchens couldn't, couldn't coach a, I, I mean, he couldn't coach a paper bag. Like it's just, it, it, I, I feel bad, so bad for the guy. Cause he's you know, a nice guy and I wanted him to do well, but unfortunately it just didn't work out. But I think Stefanski, you know, is the right guy. He does a lot of play action. Statistically, Baker Mayfield is best in play action. You make her cousins look like Aaron Rodgers. I always say that. So, I I mean, I've been telling people I'm saying 11-4, 11-5, 12-4 this year. I mean, it's, you know, they, they're either going to win the division or be right behind Baltimore. I mean, there's just – there's no way they lay an act this year. There's no way. That's a that's a that's a good prediction. Um, I'm at 10-6, and six, you know, and uh, after last year, I haven't voiced that too many times. Um, right. But uh, but, you know, to, to back to you, you'd mentioned um, uh, ownership to, to Jimmy Haslam's credit. You know, he's an owner, I believe, that wants to win. I just think that there's a huge learning curve in ownership. And I I don't think you thought it was going to be as tough as it is. And but he's you can tell he wants to win. So I can get behind a guy like that. It's the owners that don't give a crap, you know, and just throw anybody in there. And I think that's why he kept Hugh Jackson so long, because we we would fire coaches uh, every other year, every year. I think when we hired Hugh Jackson, he said this was it, and he stuck to it as long as he possibly could. And obviously right. he wasn't the right guy. And then you mentioned Freddie Kitchens. Um, yeah, that wasn't the right pick. But I do feel good about Stefanski. I do. And, yeah, I mean, unfortunately he has him. I know he wants to win, but he's not a football guy. He doesn't get it. He's a booster at Tennessee, and he's made incredibly terrible decisions there. Um, he was fortunate that he was a mi minority owner with the Steelers and, you know, he made, he's made terrible decisions outside of, uh, outside of the Browns, you know, in his business. Um, he just, I don't know if he gets it. 
I don't know if they'll ever do as well as they will ever do with him in ownership. I feel like they could do a lot better. It starts at the top and it really does trickle down. Um, but he does want to win. I mean, I'll give him that. Like, I mean, he, the owner only has so much control. Um, I think he's picked two great people in Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. Um, I think really complementing each other very well. And I like the approach that he had. That we're going to have a GM and coach that complement each other. So I give him credit for that. Um, do I, I mean, I, I hope, I think they're going to do well in spite of Jimmy Haslam, but you know, I'm, it, it's, it's so funny because people are always like, who's the worst owner in Cleveland between Dan Gilbert, I think is the best, which is like scary. And then Paul, you know, the Dolans and then, um, and then Jimmy Haslam. And it's just, man, our ownership here is atrocious. It, it's, it's gotta be the worst combined in uh, professional sports. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in building a football team, if the if the first key piece is finding that quarterback, you know, because when you when you are constantly trying to find that guy, it it doesn't allow you to be able to focus on other areas. Like, you know, when it for instance, when it's the draft, you're looking for a quarterback instead of other key positions. Um, not having a good quarterback gets co- coaches fired um, and right. that sort of thing. So, for for us to for for it to take twenty years to find the guy that has real potential is um that's astonishing i mean you look at clubs that found back-to-back qbs like you know brett Favre, and then the green bay packers had aaron Rodgers sitting on the bench ready to come in then you had uh peyton manning with the colts they get andrew luck now andrew luck didn't work out but he was a good quarterback um even his brother you know eli manning and now they have danny dimes um it's still early in his career but he's looking pretty good you know, the Browns, um, now that they have Baker Mayfield, we've seen the effects of that. We can now start it, – it's been refreshing, man. Over the past couple drafts, we're not talking about which quarterback are we going to draft, you know. Now we're focusing on other right. needs, and we're seeing the effects of that now. This is the best roster I've seen maybe ever. Like, I've been a fan since the 80s. We had a phenomenal team back then, went to the AFC Championship twice. But the talent on this roster is – amazing man if they can put it together and get their head right we could get to 11 and 5 12 to 12 and 4 like you're saying there is no reason if they get hot that they don't that aren't in the super bowl you know i don't care if there's the kansas city chiefs the Baltimore ravens you know i mean they they have a top two offense in my opinion i mean in terms of the the, the weapons and everything and surrounding baker and i think they got i mean the problem last year was that they were running all these damn deep routes Baker lost his confidence, so he wouldn't stay in the pocket. And he's waiting like four or five seconds for people to get open down the field. And you know, they no offensive line can block that long consistently. It's just you gotta get rid of the ball in less than three seconds, and that's what they did rookie year. But yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason that I mean, we've seen teams that had the six seed win uh, the Super Bowl. Like it doesn't, you know, it NBA has never happened with an eight seed, but in the NFL, it's very very common. Um, it's not always the one seed. Uh, so and it, it all depends on who, who gets hot. And I, I mean, you know, I, I just want to make the playoffs this year. Like, if it's just a playoff loss and, like, that's it, then I'm happy with the season. Um, but there's no reason why the, the talent that roster and with the way we've seen Baker Mayfield play and with the good coaching system that they don't make a Super Bowl run or at least a contender. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you, uh, Sir Yacht. Um, the, the feeling around Browns fans is that Kevin Stefanski was a great hire, and I'm, I'm among those who think it was. Do um, you feel really good about him? Yeah, I mean, again, we say this all the damn time. Um, <laughs> we get proven wrong. But you, I mean, you have, to just, you have to just see it through. But, I, I mean, and people say it sounds different. And, well, this is going to be the year. But this is going to be the year. I mean, it is just different. The guy has experience as a coach. He's, like I said, he made Kirk Cousins, you know, look great. Made Case Keenum look great. And, I, I, I mean, he's, he's good. He's very good at play action, too. Like I said, Baker Mayfield is very good in play action. He's better at that than any other, any other formation. Um, I think he gets it. He, everything in his interviews, I mean, everything that he's done, he wants to make an offense that's tailored to everybody's skill set. He's saying the right things. He's winning all the press conferences. We just need him to do it on the field. Um, but there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to. I mean, you can give this – I mean, 90% of people could win with this team. I mean, Freddie Kitchens, terrible coach, won six games last year with this team. And we should, it, 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 there's no way that we shouldn't have even won that many games, in my opinion. I mean, the coaching was so bad. We were just so lucky we had talent. Yeah, it, it was pretty bad. I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited about Stefanski. I'm excited about our coordinators, Alex Van Pelt and Joe Woods. Um, the, 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 the big key for me is we, we got to give these guys a chance. You know, um, if, we're, if we don't get 11 and 5, 12 and 4, even 10 and 6, if we get 9 and 7, we, we can't just throw them away and look for somebody else. We got to give these guys, you know, two or three years. Because I think of, uh, eventually, I mean, hopefully it doesn't take that long, but I think eventually – uh, you know, Stefanski will get this right and be a, a coach for a long time. I agree, hundred percent. And you know, he's got all, he's got all the resources now for him to succeed as a first year coach. So, I like that they went with a younger guy. I like they went with a younger GM. Um, you got some creativity on that instead of some old school football, which I think is a good refresher. So, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. We're, we're here, man. It's like four weeks, bro, until kickoff. This is nuts, Johnny. I didn't even like. I can't even – I, like, until you said that, like, it hasn't really hit me. Like, it hasn't really even hit me now. Four but weeks, man. Four, four like, weekends dude, were there. What normally we're talking about right now is, all right, who's going to get – like you said, who's going to get the job at quarterback? Like, who, who do we think is going to get it? Like, is it going to be A? Is it going to be B? We know it's Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's crazy that we're not talking about the quarterback for the third year in a row. It's uh, – I, 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 he's the guy. Like, he, he's the guy. I mean, I think they know that too. Um, you know, even if he stinks it up this year, there's just no way he does. He's still the guy. Yeah. And I and I think I'm one of the guys that think, man, we're gonna get through sixteen games. Um, I think NFL is gonna figure it out. It's gonna be a crazy year. There's gonna be a bunch of storylines. There's gonna be guys that get COVID that, you know, like yeah. the Indians pitchers, they make the wrong decision, they go out and then bring it, you know, there's gonna be that. But I think that the NFL is smart enough and they're learning from these other leagues. Um, they're going to figure this out, and I believe we'll get through 16 games. I could yeah. be wrong, but and in college, like you can't. It's it's really hard to do that bubble because you know these people are going to take classes. I mean, they could be all virtual, but um, it, it's much harder to you know quarantine a hundred kids on a campus of like 20, 30, 40,000 people, whereas you have a 53 man roster in a city, not on a campus, you are able to quarantine them. Like baseball hasn't been, I mean, there's been a bunch of teams that have, have had trouble because people have, have not followed the rules, but 
for the most part, it's been good. The NBA has been really good because they got their bubble in Orlando. So if the NFL puts something together like that, you know, I, I, I you know, like I said, people are going to get COVID. Like it's just, just the way it is. But um, I, I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't have a full season. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, man. I, I, I think I've kept you long enough. I know you're busy. You got stuff to do. Uh, maybe we can, uh, you know, take this opportunity to to plug you. How can fans find you? Um, we've talked about many of them, but where can we find you at? Um, yeah, so Sir Yacht on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Cameo, Spotify, Apple Music. I mean, wherever you are, I mean, I'm, I'm probably on it if you just search Sir Yacht and I got some stuff in the works right now I can't really talk about, but there's some exciting stuff going on behind the scenes, and there's always stuff happening each and every day. I think I'm gonna start uh, working on my Indians rant after this because I'm assuming they uh, I'm assuming they got blown out because they were getting blown out before this. Hence the uh, I don't know I mean I don't know if you're just recording the audio, but I got Indians trash cans here, so behind me is my screen. So they uh, they're not figuring it out right now, and they always lose to the Cubs, and that makes me very sad. I have the score right here. Do you want to hear it? What's that? It's What's uh, six six two, top of the ninth. So we got we got a little bit of hope. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just enough that like, oh, if you get a grand slam, it's good. But yeah, there's there's no way. But yeah, unfortunately, I mean, they're pitching so good. Then you have two idiots just go out and just be stupid. But that's a whole you know, other discussion. But uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, man, for, for coming in and uh, look forward to maybe during the season to have you on again to talk about actual Browns football. So, that, dude, uh, I'm getting bills, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting that it's almost here. I hope it continues to stay. I pray that everything kind of goes smoothly. Um, but, yeah, I would love to do that during the season. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I had a good time. Absolutely. I'll be in Cleveland um, week three against the Redskins. I'm, I'm going. I already got my tickets and everything. Uh, where are you? Air, air, where, what's that? Where do you live normally? I'm in Chesapeake, Virginia. Oh, cool. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, so, yeah we already got the airline tickets, so me and my buddy are going to go to Cleveland, and um, you know, not sit in the stands, but we'll figure out a place to watch it. Cleveland's just a fantastic city. It's like second home to me. So, oh no, maybe I'll, maybe I'll see you around. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, people are dying to tailgate and things like that. I mean, the the first presidential debate is here, and people are throwing all these tailgate parties because they're just going to watch it outside or whatever. I mean, it's nuts. People just want to tailgate so bad. So definitely have to do something when you come in from Chesapeake. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Go Browns. Go Browns. Thanks for having me. And we are back. You are listening to the Browns Huddle Podcast, part of the Zedia Network. That's media with a Z. Don't forget to check out our other great podcasts on the Zedia Network, such as Drive the Lane and the Bengals Unofficial Podcast. My next guest on the show is Al Curry. He is a longtime friend of mine and actually one of my life mentors. I was very fortunate to have Al in my life in my formative years. Al played football and ran track at NAU, that's Northern Arizona University, and was later inducted in the NAU Hall of Fame. So we'll hear about that. Also, he was one missed phone call away from joining the Cleveland Browns. I am honored. Al, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Jason. Glad to see you again, and um, glad to be here, sir. Yes, sir. It's, our history goes back about 30 years. I just did some quick math in my head. I, I was young when, when me and you met, 
And uh, if I could just go back to before we met, uh, before we met, I'd like to do that. I actually was in the lunch line at school and a guy that worked for you, we, we ended up being lifelong best friends, Larry. Um, he, he was paying for his lunch and he whipped out a $50 bill and, you know, I looked at him, I was like, man, where'd you get that kind of, you know, we didn't have that kind of money back then. So yeah. he goes, uh, he goes, man, I have an after school job and, and, and he offered uh, me a job or he said, I can't promise you anything, but I'll talk to my boss. And that was you. So I said, man, sign me. I don't care what, you know, as long as it's legal, <laughs> sign me up. So he said, meet me, um, at a certain spot. And, and that's when I first met you. And, uh, not long after I met you, you had uh, said that you played football and were really close to to being the Cleveland Brown. And of course, my eyes lit up because I'm a I'm a Browns fan from way back. So, you know, I was looking at you like a you know like an NFL superstar. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but Al, seriously, you um you taught me a lot of life lessons that I st- still uh, carry with me today. So I, I just appreciate that and appreciate all that you've done for me. And, and, and quite honestly, you know, if we hadn't met, I wouldn't have met my wife and I wouldn't have the kids that I have now because you're, you know, um, you're the reason why I even moved out here to Virginia. So. Well, praise the Lord, Jason. And, uh, and um, I did want to say that you were one of the sharpest young men that, you know, we had around at that time. So you were very, very sharp and you had a lot of integrity. You worked hard. Even as a young man, if you remember, I don't know how old you were when we put you in um, Charlotte and giving your own account. Um, how old were you then? I was probably wow. 21. I was yeah. probably 21. Very sharp, sharp young man. Doesn't surprise me to see all the success you had, you've had since then. And it was well, a pleasure to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man. Um, you, uh, you've taught a lot of people some, and we're going to get into football and track and field and, and your story, but, um, you know, you've taught a lot of people, um, what I call life lessons that I still carry with me today. A couple of things that I remember you said, um, I forget if it was raining or it was cold outside, but I, I, I asked you, I said, Hey Al, man, should I take my jacket? And you said, oh, yeah. um, you said, if you need it, you got it. If you still need it, no, no, no. If you need it, you got it. If you don't need it, you still got it. You remember yeah. telling me I that? Said, if you take it with you, if you need it, you got it. But if you don't take it with you, if you need it, you don't have it. You don't have it. And, you know, I still yeah. uh, remember that even today. And another thing that you told me, and uh, this is really powerful. You said, um, everything you do in life, your name's on it. You know, I don't care if you're sweeping the floor, uh, making yeah. your bed. Um, yeah. you know, mowing the lawn and everything you do in life, your name is on it. And I've always carried that with me. So anything I do, no matter what task it is, um, you know, I always know that, Hey, I did that. So I want to make sure I do a good job. So I, I thank you for that kind of stuff. Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, I, even though I wasn't really into God that much then, but thank you know, I still thank him. Absolutely. Well, let's start with, um, with your your track and field career at NAU, um, what what events did you run in track? Outdoor, I ran the hundred, the two hundred, and I ran both relays. And very very infrequently did I run the the four hundred meters. I was good in the four hundred meters. I just didn't like it because you have to train so much harder for that one. But um, and then on indoor, I ran the fifty five meters. The and the 400 meters indoor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what what kind of times did you have back then? Do you remember? Well, you were fast. That's what yeah, I do. I ran, a, I ran a ten uh ten uh ten. Now this was back in the uh, in meters because I started in yards, but for meters it was a ten three hundred meters. Um, I ran um, a forty five nine quarter. I ran a six point oh seven. This is still a um, school record for NAU but also a conference record, 6.07 or 6.09 in the 55 meters. And then I ran maybe in the indoor, in the indoor 400, like it was a, I could say a slow time, but it was 49 something, but they got, a, they was on a 165 yard track around and they had wood and bank curves. And I tried it one time and um, that was a funny story. Actually, my coach said, Alphonse, this is my senior year. He's out. I'm gonna have you run the 40 in the indoor. I think you can win. I said, no, coach. I don't want to do that. Uh, uh-uh. I don't want to run the 400. That's you know, because that's a whole. That's a man's race. You gotta really train for that. And he oh, said, sure. no, you're gonna, do it. you're gonna do it. And I said, okay. So he said, but I need you to run it today so you can qualify. So I ran it that day in that track meet, and I qualified, and I ended up being qualified first for the conference championships for the indoor, and so. We went to, I had only, I had never ran the indoor track before and didn't mm-hmm. even think there was a difference to it. So when I went there to run it, when I first started running, I started running and the, when I went around the curve, the curve was banked and I went all the way up to the curve, almost running off the track. And when I came <laughs> down, I was in last place. This is from the prelims. So I had to, re- and then I realized, okay, you got to slow down the curve. So I run real hard on the straightaway, slow down the curve, run. And I, and I went around and I finally passed up everybody till I got to third place. So now it's like, oh, what a big disappointment. You're not gonna qualify because only the top two qualify for each heat and then the two fastest thirds. And I, you, know, we, I, you know, you didn't know where you, you're taking a real big risk qualifying. Right. I qualified last. I was the last one to qualify in that race. And so before we ran the finals, I went out there and ran on the track and got used to the track. And I end up winning the the 400 in that in that race. You got and used to it a little more, right? I got used to it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So so an indoor track versus an outdoor track, and an indoor track, it's more of a, a NASCAR slant to it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they were smaller, and they, I think they're larger now. I think they're like 220 meters now, 200 meters, but they were like 165 yards back in them, the whole track. So that's a you know that's a small track you know yeah, when you're running yeah. more than we're not just sprinting i always just sprint it so all i had to do was run the the 100 the 60 yard dash and that's all i did and so that was fine but then when you start running now longer around there and that's still a sprint the 400 meters is a sprint so it's a unique race on an indoor track when did you when did you start running track was that all the way back in high school i did i ran track in high school I went okay. to Maryville High School my first couple of years, and I graduated from Tolleson, and um, so I ran track, you know, all through high school. Actually, when coming up, I played football, basketball, baseball, and track. And when I and when you came into into high school, baseball and track was in the same season, so I had to quit baseball and I ended up staying on track. So track was your was your love. I mean, did did you get did you get a scholarship to NAU for track? 
I did. I got a, my I got a scholarship for track and field to NAU, and then I end up just playing football. But my scholarship was for track and field. Oh, cool, man! That's awesome. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to share about track before we move on to football? Um, I don't think so. No, that's cool. That's good. Okay, so you played. You did you play high school football? I did play high school football. Um, my senior year at Tiles, and I was a I was all state for Arizona, and um, you know it's funny because I was all state football in high school and got into college and, and I was a receiver and got into college and realized I couldn't catch. You know, <laughs> you know when you really, you know, because a whole different game from high school to college. Right. It definitely was back when I played back in the seventies. Because I graduated mm -hmm. from high school in '75, and oh. so you know you got to. You know, how you catch the ball, how you move towards the ball when you catch it, how you don't catch mm -hmm. on your body, you catch it with your hands, and mm -hmm. so forth. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So, all right, so fast forward, you, you got a scholarship to NAU for track and field, um, and then you decided to play football. Did you decide to play football early in your NAU career? I started my sophomore year. Started your sophomore my, year. I played football my sophomore year. The thing is, I was on a track scholarship, so – um, with the coach that we had then, spring ball was very important. You actually earned your starting position in the spring, in the spring ball. I didn't play spring ball, so I ran track in the spring. So, you know, it never was a thing for me to be a star, even though the guys that played in front of me were very, very good. And, you know, it was a, just a tad of, probably above me. But, um, but I was just, then when I come out, I would just come out for the fall to play. Gotcha. Okay. Um, do you remember the um, the first time you stepped on the field, your first live action of football at NAU? Do you remember the first time you stepped on? Um, In other words, your first game. Do you remember your first game? I don't remember my first game. I remember the first time coming on to the practice field and getting my block knocked off. I remember that. It was definitely <laughs> a different game than high school. You, you know, got your block knocked off? Yeah, get my block knocked off. Yeah, linebackers really trying to hurt you coming across that middle, man. Uh huh. Good. Yeah. You got you got to strap on that chin strap, huh? You got to chop on that strap, strap and keep it strapped on at all times. You know. So, <laughs> yeah. So that I remember getting welcomed to college football that way, as uh -huh. I was on the practice field. Um, but I can't remember too much. You know, nothing really early. Other than, you know, what you want to talk about later, more for football. Like I say, we had a, our team was a, we had Alan Clark on that team. He's a, he's in the, he's in the hall of fame. And we, 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 our coach, we had a running team. We had a, we had a tremendous running team. Our, we would run the ball down your throat. And so as receivers, we had to block. We did more blocking than we did catching the ball. So it wasn't a lot of opportunities. It wasn't like in the year I left, they, they got a coach that came in and they threw the ball all the time, which would have been great for me at that if I was at there then. But when I was there, we were it was strict. We was a running team, and Alan Clark, who played for New England Patriots and um, um, had a good career with them, but that's kind of what I was caught up into at that time. So it wasn't like I had a lot of opportunities. Um, 
know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> f- football back then and football today is yeah. very different. Um, now it's you know pass, 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 pass. They there are teams that run the ball, but not not like they did back then. I'm sure. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd have been really good on on a team like that. You know, having with the speed and so forth, and needing multiple receivers. So, but like I say, so the guys that were in front of me played. But it wasn't a lot of opportunity for me to play in a scenario like that, you know, because they were right, just right. in front of the ball. Yeah. To have great things, great things happen anyway. What What was your first big moment on the football field at NAU? Besides mm. the 1978 championship game, which we'll talk about in a minute. You know, I can't really remember. Like I said, it wasn't a lot of opportunities, you know, but mm. I can't really remember, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay. My first um, big moment on the football field. Did did you did you have hopes of one day playing in the NFL? Was that one of the your goals that you had back when you're playing at NAU? Yeah, I took my first playing trip. It was for baseball in the third grade. So I was an athlete from third grade all the way through. So I just knew I was going to play pro ball. It wasn't. I just assumed it. And so even when I took my classes at NAU. I didn't worry about no major that much. I was just taking classes just to stay eligible because I just knew I was going to be go play pro ball. And and um, so, yeah, I did have that aspiration. I did think so. Yeah. Um, do you keep up with the NFL uh, today? Do you? you know, not near as much as I used to. So, no, okay. not as near as much as I used to. So I don't. You know, I don't really know too much of what's going on out there right now. What what current or former NFL player would you say you most emulated? Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. As a receiver, I, I guess. I would say one would be Bob Hayes because he was a track star. Okay. And um, so I would say Bob Hayes and um, let me see who's now. I'm not sure who's who's out there now, but. You know, Bob Hayes is who I think I would identify with as the same kind of player. Uh huh. Were you more of a down the field player, big plays, um, big pass plays, or were you like a slant receiver? Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I was the down the field, big plays, utilizing my speed a lot of yeah. times. That's what you know. That's how. I, yeah, there, I, there's some quarter, quarterbacks in the league that would like your skill set. You know. Um, I immediately yeah. think of uh, like Patrick Mahomes. He would probably love to have a receiver like you. Uh, yeah. Well, he has one now, Tyree Kill. I don't know if you know him. He's a speedster receiver. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Just really does a fantastic job um, catching footballs. And actually, the Browns, we could use, a, we could use one more receiver that, <laughs> that goes down the field like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Did, did you have a, a hero back then, like an NFL hero? I, for instance, like I know when I played backyard football, I had two heroes that I, that I pretended to be, and that was if I was the quarterback, I was Bernie Kosar, and if I was a receiver, I was Eric Metcalf. Did you, did you have a hero back then? Yeah, back, back then, one of my favorite players, and, and I guess I, you'd call him a hero, was Lynn Swan. I, I, you know, because I, I, even at that time, I was thinking more receiver. And so I thought he was, I just loved how he played the game and some of the catches he made and, and the plays he made. Yeah. Yeah. One of the great Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, sir. And yeah. then, of course, 
And and you can't, you know, even though he was with Miami then, Paul Warfield. Paul Warfield. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's get into the, the, the Big Sky Championship game, NAU against Boise State, 1978. You played a significant role in that game. Can you give us the Al Curry recap of what happened in that game? Yeah, you know, like I said, we was a running team. So we, you know, our whole thing was running the ball down your throat. And Coach would always have a play he was set up that would be a pass play that's always going to, he said, this is going to be a touchdown. And, and almost every time it was. It was, you know, you just pound them, pound them, pound them. And then when they start overplaying for the run, he always had a play for that. So against Boise, which was, like I say, we were playing them, it was, you know, you know, for the championship for the most part um, game because they were, they were in first two. And then I think Montana State, we were all around the same place. But um, he, he put me in and changed my jersey to a tight end jersey. I was at a receiver jersey. He put me in a tight end jersey and then put me in the tight end position. And, they, and the, the defense end at the time was, I think his name was Pulaski. He was All-American, but he was big. And so what he wanted me to do was to um, fake in and go into the flat. They go, I think they was going to go throw, they will run the ball, run guys down deep. And then they wanted me because he always he, he knew on third down and long, they would always have the tight end covered by the defensive end. So he put me in as a speedster against a defensive end. And so he knew he would cover me. So and all he wanted me to do was run into the flat. And so we ran that play. We tried it once, uh, did pretty good with it. Then the, but then no, no, we didn't try it once. I'm sorry. We tried it once and it didn't, we didn't get it off. The, it didn't get off. So we tried it again. And then when I caught the ball on about the probably about the six yard line, I mean six yards from the line of scrimmage in the flats, I just caught it. And all I said I was going to do was act like I was running track and running as fast as I can until somebody got to me. Because <laughs> there was guys downfield, so I, you know, somewhat downfield. So you know, I, I didn't know I was going to go in, and so I just ran as fast as I could. And I said I know if, if I run as fast as I could, it'll take them running as fast as they could to catch me. So I ran as fast as I could. And then right almost probably about the 10 yard line, the guy who was coming from the other side came in an angle at me. And I said, you know what? I know he's ready to have to be running really fast. So what I did is stopped, grabbed his jersey, pushed him beside of me, and I walked into the end zone. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he was about to light you up if you hadn't done that, right? Yeah, he would light me up, but I knew he had to be running real fast because I knew I was running real fast. So I knew if I stopped and just and just walked in the end zone. He, that must have been like a safety or something, right? Yeah, safety. It probably was a safety. Yeah, probably was a safety. Yeah. What What was the idea about switching uniforms? Was the coach trying to fool the the so defense gotta, or? Gotta be, I think you got to wear a certain jersey if you're gonna be on the line. A certain oh, number. Oh, okay. So he, he put a, we put a bigger number on on me for that. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, that was your tight end numbers. That was your tight end number. Was that the – was that – how many yards was that touchdown? Was it 50? It was, it was 59 yards. 59 and remember, yards. I only weighed 168 pounds. That's a, I was a small guy, you know, a small guy in, in football. You, you, uh, you actually probably had the same measurements as the guy I just mentioned, Eric Metcalf. Oh, and he, he yeah. was – and his dad played football, Terry Metcalf. Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
So, so Eric Medcalf, um, I listened to him talk a couple weeks ago, and he said the, the reason why he uh, scored a lot of touchdowns and, and why he didn't run up the middle a lot was he, he didn't want to get hit. <laughs> he said he didn't yeah. like to get hit. So he knew that if, if he could get in the open field, he, he's going to beat people because he's, he's sure. also um, – he was in track and field. I think he did the long jump or something like that, but he was a trackster guy, you know, mm-hmm. and he, he wasn't that big, but um, – but he was incredible on the football field, just a fantastic yeah, 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 receiver yeah, and, and punt returner. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So um, so you guys won the uh, 1978 Big so, Sky. Yeah, that, that touchdown put us in the lead, and we end up winning the game. And we end up – and I, I, I think that's when we won the conference championship from that game, but we might have to play one more game, and then we won the championship. Well, congratulations, man. Do you, do you still uh, find yourself thinking about that? Uh, sometimes no not really I can't you know when I was talking to you and came back up again but not really I don't remember mm-hmm. I don't think about it too much but um yeah. if I'm around these guys sometimes they have we've had um reunions where they brought this team back in and I hate I missed the last one I think we had the 40-year reunion um last year and I missed I have to miss it but we're around those guys maybe a little bit but not not normally it's it's probably like a brotherhood isn't it i mean it's a it's a real strong brother when you win a championship with with pete with players there brings a bond there and i noticed that even every year we go even guys that you might not have hung out with at that time but when you go back to because not everybody comes back so it may be guys that come back that may be alignment or a defensive, defensive a linebacker or something. But when you guys come there for those events, uh, you'll hang out with those guys. And it's like, you know, it, yeah, it, it is a real brotherhood. You, it's amazing the bond that comes from, especially from winning a championship, I would say. Uh, it, it's probably like at, at any place. To, to some extent, it might be that anyway. But when you win a championship together, I think it's even more of a bond. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I don't doubt that a second. Um, so you were inducted. Let's get into to your Hall of Fame. You, you were inducted in the NAU Hall of Fame for track and field um, individually. And then your 1978 championship team you played on was also inducted in the uh, NAU Hall of Fame. Is that right? Yeah, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1996 as an individual mm-hmm. in track and field. And then in 1997, the whole 1978 football team that won that championship, we're the only team that I think even today to have won the championship outright, where we were the only winners. We wasn't tied with nobody or anything like that. That whole team was inducted in 78. Um, I, mean, I remember yeah. in 19 – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I remember in 1996 when you were inducted in the Hall of Fame and just how proud everybody was of you and your family was proud. And you actually were living in Virginia at that time. And, and I remember you flew yes, back to, to uh, NAU for the ceremony, right? T- can yeah. you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, um, I had – I had my, I blew my family back, and then I had my brother as my presenter. You, you remember Ken? Oh yeah. He, he was my presenter at the Hall of Fame, and you know I remember Santa talk about what football has done. 
you know, what sports do for you. And I, and, I, and I learned this after I left football when I watched different scenarios, you know, how to be a team player. You know, you know, sports teach you how to be a team player. And then, you know, how to bounce back, how to get knocked down and get back up. So even in the business world, when you get knocked down, you get back up. It's not a second thought of staying down, you just get back up. And then how to have friendly competition. You know, I, I've seen scenarios where people would compete, like they, they like say you work for a, a sales company, a lot of times they like to create sales teams to compete, to, to try to boost the sales. And I've seen even people that I've worked with who really didn't like you, even within the team, from the competition. They didn't know how to compete, friendly competition. And I think with, you know, with sports, you can, you can battle somebody on the football field, you can run real hard on the track field, you can box somebody, but after it's over, you can, you, can be, you can shake their hand and you can, you know, it's gone, it's over. You're not still mad at them. And I think that's something that sports taught us too, how to have how to friendly competition. And um, so I remember talking about that at the Hall of Fame and that was something that I thought, you know, I really enjoyed being able to say. Yeah, you, you really did uh, carry that in your life. And not only did you carry it, but you also taught it. And that's, like I said, in the beginning of the podcast, um, that's one of the things that I appreciate about you is you, you taught us how to compete, how to be, um, you know, uh, good winners and learn from your mistakes, you know, because when anything that you do in life, you're going to make mistakes, there's no question about it, you're going to fall you're going to do things not right. There's learning curves for everything that you do, but you always taught us to, um, to it's okay to get knocked down, but just learn from it and, you know, keep moving. Yeah. Just keep, keep going. Yeah, you know, you know, there's always I, tomorrow. Yeah, I, got I, got a, I have a grandson that plays basketball and he's really good. And he gets so frustrated if they call it a foul that's not really, he don't feel he really fouled. He makes a mistake. He misses a shot or something. He's a really good shooter. If he misses a couple shots. And I, and I always try to tell him, you know, even when you make a mistake, don't get don't get frustrated. If you get frustrated in the game, you just hurt the team because the game is still going on. And so you're not going to be at your best. So the key thing to do, if you make a mistake, is just shake it off and, and go out there and keep playing hard. And guess what? Most of the time you'll win those games. You'll come, you'll, you'll, you know, you won't notice a mistake, but the people seem, I think most people make a mistake and they dwell on it. And I remember something here with uh, actually Brett Farr, when he had a young guy that it was in a Super Bowl game or, or a playoff game, and a young, I think it was a young receiver, a young running back fumbled the ball, I think, near the goal line, and it was big time. And I, all I remember seeing on the sideline, all I remember, and this caught my eye, when Brett Farr would walk by him, everybody, you know, because he's isolated by himself, and he, dropped the, he fumbled the ball, you know, and Brent Farr kept walking by him saying, shake it off and make a play. And he'll walk past him and he'll come back by him again and say, shake it off and make a play. That is all, that kid ended up making a play. He ended up making a play, but I thought Brent Farr telling him to shake it off and make a play, forget what, you, what has happened, don't dwell on it, the game is still going on, and the people who can not dwell on their mistakes, those are the best ones that have the chance to win. If they can go in and just make a play. There's so many opportunities to, you know, to make plays that those continuing to make those plays is what go win the game. Yeah, I mean, because you know, you fumble a ball or throw an interception, 
you can't change that. The only thing you can do is shake it off and go on to the next play. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's good, man. Um, you were, uh, I want to get into this. This is a Brown subtle podcast. And, and I think the listeners would like to know you were actually invited to Brown's training camp. Um, I believe it was in 1980 and mm-hmm. you know, you're going to probably get into this, but technology was different in 1980 than it is in 2020. Yeah. Now yeah. You, 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 we have cell phones, we have computers. If you want to get a hold of anybody, you know, you, you can. It doesn't matter where you're at, you can get a hold of people. But back in 1980, if you were gone or away from your home, they couldn't get a hold of you, right? Because you were gone. So, um, it sounds like maybe what happened, but give us the story on, on when you were invited to the Cleveland Browns training camp. Well, we, we won the championship in 78 and, and, you know, my, um, our coach gets taken to, um, to university of Minnesota, a new coach comes in and my senior year, for the most part, he benches the seniors and starts working with the players that will come back and, and the players he's bringing on and, so for my senior year, you know, when my coach had told me, because of your speed, you're going to be okay, but next year when so-and-so leaves, it could be your year, and I'm all ready for that. And then when that comes, a new co- he leaves, a new coach comes in, and, and now I'm sitting on the bench watching players who are younger than me, who I'm helping teaching them and showing them things. I did always keep a positive attitude to still help, but it was so tough to go through that year, and I didn't play my senior year. So because of that, you know, but one time I remember the pro scouts came and I was in track practice. It was in the spring. I was in track practice and they asked me to come and run the 40. So I took my bikes off and put my flats on and ran it. And I ran a 429. And that was back in 1980. <laughs> you know what I'm That's saying? That's flying so, now. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't, nobody said no, no. I didn't think that much of it, but I didn't play that year. You know, I hadn't really been talking to nobody about it. So we had our, we were going to the Big Sky Championships for track and field. And back in that time, in a, at North, NAU, by the way, is Northern Arizona University. At that time, we rode buses to the, to the track meets. So we'd be on a bus for like a week. And like you say, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So we had went to the track. We had went there. I won the, I won the 100 um, meter dash. and. On my way back home, I was calling my parents to tell them how I did. And my mo- I called my mother on the phone and said, I said, and she said, did you talk to that guy about the football? And I said, no, who? He said, here, talk to your dad. And so my dad got on the line and said, what's going on? He said, yeah, Paul Warfield called here to ask if you had signed with anybody. And we didn't know. You know, and like I said, I was out of commission for a week, so they couldn't even get to me to get the message to me. And so I said, okay, I had an agent at the time. And I called him and I said, yeah, I heard that, you know, Cleveland was trying to get in touch with, Paul Warfield was at with Cleveland, trying to get in touch with me at that time. And, you know, I don't know what the situation was. So he said, I'll call and check. So he called them and he asked them and they said, yes, we were trying to get in touch with him. We wasn't going to draft him, but we were going to invite six extra receivers to camp. And he was our fourth one. But since we didn't get in touch with him, we just, we already got our six. So what we'll do, though, we're still interested. If, he, if he's willing to pay his way to get out here, as long as he makes the first, um, let's say, cut or whatever, we'll reimburse him for all his expenses. And I was so frustrated with football. I had 
I had decided then that, like I said, I was taking classes. I had plenty of credits to graduate, but I wasn't, I didn't really have a major. And so I did a major that I wanted to do. So I had decided to go to summer school. I'm going to get my business degree because I'm not going to let nothing happen like this ever happen to me again where somebody can control my destiny. So I'm going to get my business degree and it will take me another year and a half of school to do it. And so I'd already started that plan, not thinking anything was going to come up there. I just met the, my, the, the mother of my kids and was, you know, excited about that. And so when they, when they came back and told me that, I just told them, I said, tell them if they don't send, my, send the money now, I'm not going pay my way, I'm not going. And just like that, it was over. Now, I made that decision, Jason, without consulting my parents. I made it just on my own. And so, it, like, you know, if I, could, I somewhat regret that I could have got consultation. And then years later, I seen uh, Phil Kanzig, who played for Denver, and he told me, he said, you're an idiot. And, I said, I said, and he said, do you know what the first cut deals with? You know, the first thing they were talking about is time trials. So, of course, you would make it through that with no problem. And you, you would have got reimbursed your expenses if you'd have went. But that was that was it. That was that. My that was it. Experience. Or lack of experience. If if your if your current self could give your young self advice, what, what would that be? Yeah, I would I would have took advantage of that opportunity. That was an opportunity. And I would yeah. took advantage of that opportunity. Now again, I played football. I was hurt. You know, I, you know, I have leg, I had leg problems. I had leg problems for track and field, my hamstrings. So it was a painful, I had a painful career in the aspect of always getting treatment and stuff like that. And then because Cleveland was going to be a real cold place and they didn't have a dome like an AU did. So you'd be playing outside and all that, all that came into the mix, but I would have been more mentally tough, tougher about that and, and took advantage of that opportunity. And yeah, back back then the Browns played in January more than they do nowadays. So <laughs> making the play, yeah, they they made the playoffs more times back then. So they were playing in the cold months of January. You yeah. know, now yeah. their season's over by January one. Hopefully that changes. We got a a good roster and and new coaches. So uh, we're looking to to move forward and good things are to come with the Cleveland Browns. Um, you you are a um, you are a real motivator. I always considered you a real motivator and you're just an all around positive thinker. Um, do you have any favorite quotes? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know about quotes, but I, now I look at scriptures, you know, I got favorite scriptures. You mind if I give you one of those? Yeah, perfect. You know, one of the ones I, I, I love that I need it all time. I need a lot is, um, John 14, 27, and I like it in the Amplified Classic um, version, and it says, peace I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give do I give unto you. Otherwise, it's not peace because everything's going well. He said, I'm giving you peace even in the midst of the storm. And he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And, it's, and then it says, don't allow yourself to be agitated or disturbed. And so, and don't permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, or unsettled, which that would have been really good for me back in, at that time for Cleveland. But I, so I always see when I, when I get agitated or disturbed, I say I'm allowing myself that. So it helps me not to be, well, they're doing it. They're, you know, they're making me this. No, you're allowing it. Let it go, you know? And so 
that's something that is uh, that scripture is something that I I use all the time to help me through the things that come at me to keep me in that same positive mindset you you talked about then, which I was somewhat naturally a positive person, and now that I've added God in my life, it has went to a whole you know another level of of, of trusting in God. Well, that'll get you through life right there. Just that one scripture alone. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I want to, you know, we, we talk about words of wisdom, Al. Uh, we had a young man on the show. I don't know if you heard it or not. I know you listened to a couple of shows, but his name is Jarvis Tank Courtney. Mm-hmm. And the nickname is fitting because this guy is six foot six, 300 pounds. And his goal is to play in the NFL. Um, Jarvis is a... Brown's Twitter favorite. Um, he, he's looking for one chance. I don't know if you know a whole lot about Twitter, but there's hashtags and stuff like that. And he always tweets uh, hashtag one chance. He's just looking for a chance, an opportunity to uh, try out for a team and just have them get a look at him. He didn't go to the big schools or anything like that. So he kind of got overlooked, um, you know, by NFL scouts and he wasn't drafted or anything like that. But um, what advice would you give to Jarvis, um, he's in his early twenties. He's young and he's he's hungry. He's you know he's a big guy. Um, you know, I think he personally, I think he would do well. What advice would you give Jarvis? Well, I actually seen that podcast and I remember him being such a positive person. He had such a positive outlet of toward, towards going out there and play. So I just say continue with that positive act. You know that positive outlook and just keep speaking. You know, if he, that he's going to play, that he's going to get on the team and be positive, speak that he's going to be on a, on a team because it seems like he does believe that in his heart. And I think he'd have a, a good shot at, at um, being ready for an opportunity when it, if, when it comes his way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Oh, thank you for that. Continue um, to train, of course. He said he, he trains a lot, so continue your training. You know, do everything. You know, go for it. Give your best shot. But like I say, the thing I really like about him is not that his athletic and even the training is his mental. He, he really believes he'll get a shot. He, he can play. He really believes that. And if he continues with that, I think all of them things together will, you know, make him take advantage of opportunity that, could, that will come his way. Yeah. I mean, he, he is a, you're right. He is a very positive guy. And if you look at his tweets on Twitter, everything is positive. And, um, you know, like you said, he's going for it. And one of the, you'd brought it up, but one of the things I really like about him is no, in my, I don't think any teams are looking currently looking at him right now, but that's not stopping him from training every day. Uh, he has a trainer, he does the cone drills, he does his weights in the mornings, speed and agility at night. I mean, he's, he's getting ready. So that way, when that phone call does come, he's ready, you know, so you got to admire a guy like that. Yeah, think about this environment right now with the coronavirus and so forth. You know, anything can happen out there. And so people, they can need somebody. You know, they can need to pull, looking for somebody to come in and 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 and, and if that person's ready on top of it, then it's just, it, it's a win-win for the team and a win-win for himself too. So a lot of things can happen in this environment we're in. So I think that's working for him too. That's a good point. You're right. With the, with the COVID thing going on and the NFL is trying to maneuver through the coronavirus, um, it's just a matter of time before a team needs this guy or that guy or this position needs to be filled. So 
yeah, that's a very strong possibility for sure. Um, I just have just one more thing and then we're going to wrap things up. I, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show. We've been talking about this for a little while. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm glad that we were able to spend some time tonight. Um, I want to bring up your, your dad, um, your dad, Al senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a tremendous guy. He was an author. He wrote a couple books and I remember a poem in one of the books that you once shared with me and it was about football but it had a lot of good meanings in it. Do you, do you remember that poem? I do. It's one of my favorite that he wrote. My father wrote over 1,700 poems. They're all spiritual. And, uh, and over 1,700 poems in his computer when he passed. W- would you mind sharing that poem with us? Sure. I'll share that one with you. Cool. I know it by heart, but I haven't done it in so long. I, I, I want to make sure I don't miss it, miss it. It says, if God played football, if God played football, he'd be the quarterback, that we know. The entire distance of the field would be nothing for him to throw. The other team would be deceptive and have a variety of wicked schemes. You probably guessed by now, Satan's quarterback for that team. God would know the outcome of the game before it ever began. He would even know the score and exactly how the game would end. See, Satan never was that smart, so he truly believes he can win. This game would teach him another lesson because God would defeat him again. God would only take a microsecond to read any defense Satan would design. He would have perfect protection since his angels would be the offensive line. Who can stop an offense who's running back is Jesus Christ. He knows so much about adversity, proved that when he gave his life. Should God need a field goal? The Holy Spirit would kick that through. He's totally committed to doing whatever God asks him to do. So winning for God is quite simple, at least that's the way it seems. Remember. He's always looking for new recruits to join his winning team. Man, that's awesome. I love that. That's, that's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. I, need, I need to find – I have that book on my shelf. I need to pull that out and make a copy of it and, and hang it up so I can see it more often than I do. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to repl- – I'm going I'm to replubish some of, some of his, his one book that has a lot of these poems in it. So right now we don't have anything available, but I am going to replubish those. And when I do, I'll let you know, Jason. Absolutely. So uh, can, can listeners find those books anywhere now or? Not at this time. Okay. But um, we, like I say, we don't have any published at this time, but I am going to republish the third book that he did that has a lot of my favorite poems in it. And so we will be republishing that and I'll let you know, maybe you can, you know, let your listeners know at some point. Absolutely. Um, th- this is the point of the show where I, uh, I give the guests the chance to plug themselves uh, a way that listeners can get a hold of them. For instance, if they're looking for uh, your, your dad's book, um, how can the listeners find you? Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not as much of a um, social media type person, so I don't do that much on Facebook. So there's really no way they can find me t- the traditional ways. I don't do Twitter and stuff like that. And so um, I don't really about- have nothing to, I'm not promoting anything myself. You know, what I would like to promote is that, you know, people um, take a close look at the Lord at this time and, and develop a personal relationship with him is what I like to promote. And um, but, you know, at some point I will be doing a more on social media. I am planning on, on spanning that. But as of right now, I'm not really that much on social media. That's OK. How about an email address? I have an email address. It's Al Curry. I'm a realtor. So Al Curry Realtor 7 at gmail.com 
Al okay. Curry, Realtor7, the number seven, at gmail.com. And you're a realtor in, in Arizona. You service yes, all sir. of Phoenix and surrounding areas? Yes, sir. Well, cool. Well, um, if any of the listeners are looking for a home or if you know anybody that's looking to buy a home, make sure you uh, get a hold of Al. He'll take good care of you. I can promise you that. Well, Al, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an honor. It's been a pleasure, and, uh, Jason. It's man, it's always a it's always a blessing to be able to talk to you. It really is. And uh, yeah. I'm glad we were able to do this today. Same here. I'm so glad too, Jason. And like I say, you you as a young as a youngster, like around I think I came in I, I met you around you were you about sixteen? Sixteen, yeah. Yeah, sixteen and to you know, and I was I was around you constantly till you're about what, twenty four, twenty three, twenty four? 23 very sharp you're very sharp then and I'm, i can just see that you just carried it on and and i'm just so proud of you man and all the things that you're doing and have done and and the way you turned out the kind of person that you are and so um proud of you young man <laughs> oh, thanks man i appreciate it well thanks so much for coming on the show this has been another episode of the brown subtle podcast i am your host jason hand you can find me on Twitter at Brown's Huddle Pod or at Brown's Huddle. We will see you next week.